Hey there, and welcome back to Young Nostalgia, the podcast that takes a trip down memory lane from two guys that never lived it. I'm bes- I'm no <laughs> I'm not beside <laughs> myself. I'm Nolan, and beside me is Ben. And thank you so much for joining us as we talk about our passion for the past while being young at heart. Already messing up the opening monologue, but that's okay. I guess that's kind of that's kind of the Young Nostalgia way, lead <laughs> laid back and. Uh, usually messing up something along the way, but exciting things coming at you. Episode 36 here called Sir, Yes, Sir. So what Ben and I have been talking about, we're going to do a short three-episode series of kind of rough around the edges, actors, um, or, you know, just kind of well-known pop culture figures. So today we're going to be talking about R. Lee Ermey, the well-known drill drill instructor and kind of authority figure in different movies, including Full Metal Jacket. Um, And then next week we'll talk about Clint Eastwood. And the week after that, John Wayne will follow up. The Duke. John Wayne will follow up the series. Um, But today, without further ado, Big Ben, how you doing, man? Oh, it's been a great day. How are you doing, Nolan? Not too bad. It's been great as well. Glad to be back at it. I know we're a little bit late this week, but we'll definitely on promise to release an episode every week, if not on Tuesday, at some point. (laughs) (laughs) So it has been kind of the norm recently. I know, right? But, uh, I mean, there's a lot of external factors out there for the both of us. Anyway, let's dive right into R. Lee Ermey, kind of remembering his long and decorated career, both in the service and on screen, as uh, we lost him last month. All right. So, Ronald Lee Ermey, born March 24th, 1944, and unfortunately died April 15th of 2018. Uh, he was an American actor, voice, very prominent voice actor, actually, um, and Marine. He achieved fame when he played uh, the very notable Gunnery Sergeant Hartman in the 1987 film Full Metal Jacket, um, which he actually earned a Golden Globe for. Golden Golden Globe Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor. Unique New York. New York, New Unique. (laughs) Maybe this is Golden Globe. (laughs) <laughs> hey man words are hard okay words are hard um and of course ermy was also a united states marine corps staff sergeant um and then later on he was actually made an honorary gunnery sergeant but most of his tenure in the united states marine corps he actually served as a drill instructor very ironic huh where he actually yeah. kind of played played on on television the same role that he was used to in his military career <laughs> Yeah, imagine life. That. I mean, he had to he had to pull everything, you know, out of his out of his repertoire that he used during the actual drill instructions in those movies. I mean, just I feel like it takes a special kind of person again that right mindset for your face to just not falter to you to just say these things, um, mm-hmm. you know, to people and just like kind of grind them down to, you know, their basic selves where. You know, they have to learn how to let these things bounce off of him. But he had that face. He had that stature, mm-hmm. the voice, his his rhythm. It was just like, yeah, no no wonder. No wonder he is who he was on right. film. And, and, you know, we'll get into a little bit later. There's there's a, a pretty good section in the show about this. But, you know, his some of his most notable roles, he wasn't necessarily even considered or was even trying to get a part there was a lot of there was he was working as a uh a uh i just had tech the word advisor lost. 
tech advisor, yeah, something like that. And uh, he made like an instructional video and of like how people should be acting, and they're like, "Holy cow, this person should be in this part, not this <laughs> other guy." And then they cast him, and it was great. But uh, okay, moving on a little bit in the show, uh, <laughs> we get kind of going along the same lines. Ermy was often typecast in authority figure roles, such as Major Tillman in the film Mississippi Burning, Bill Bowerman in Profontaine, Sheriff Hoyt in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, um, as as well as many, many other movies, uh, police captains, that sort of uh, that sort of role, just because that's what he became known for. I mean, because he was so darn good at it. I mean, that was oh, him. Yeah. That was yeah. totally him. You know, especially, I mean, even, that was even down to uh, his voice acting roles. I mean, he played uh-huh. the, uh, the the sergeant in the toy sor- toy soldiers on uh, uh, Toy Story. He was a prison guard in a voice actor for a prison guard in SpongeBob in a SpongeBob yes. episode. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, that was just what that was. That was him through and through. And it was very rare that he played anything different. I know it's it's hilarious. I love it that he was the army man leader. Sergeant Toy Story. It's it's perfect. I mean, you know, there's pictures up there, and they even kind of you know modeled the plastic face in the movie, um, mm-hmm. you know, by his face. And right, and it's well, just interesting I, how how his roles can were so consistent in the way of of how he portrayed himself. Mm-hmm. And I, I I screwed that up a little bit. He was like the, the he was not only the leader of the Green Army Men in the Toy Story, but he was actually played uh, Sergeant in a. Uh, I believe he played Sarge in another film too that was about. It was, I think it was just called Toy Soldiers. Oh, okay, I see. What I think you're I read that. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that was him as well. So he not only he, I think he kind of he played both of them. Okay, um, okay. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's neither here nor there. I mean, it's not unexpected that he would do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, in addition to all that other stuff, he also kind of laid. It was. In the grand scheme of things, it was not that long ago, but uh, a while back he actually had his own, uh, his very own TV programs, um, and which were, one of them uh, was the most prominent, was Mail Call on the History Channel, uh, where he kind of focused on answering viewer questions about just overall facets of the military, to weaponry tactics vehicles all kinds of stuff and it was it was a really good show i remember i remember watching it quite a bit um as a kid um and then later on there was a show uh he had a show called lock and load with arlie ermy um which pretty much focused around the development of different types of weapons it was it was similar but it wasn't necessarily the same format where it went question and answer Uh um from viewer questions and i believe if i'm not mistaken i think that was still going on or it had just shortly wrapped up uh, when he passed away last month. Um, I'm not really sure about that. And then rounding it all out, he had Gunny Time on the uh, Outdoor Channel, which I am not familiar with that show at all, so I don't really have much input on that. But Yeah, me neither. But, I mean, backing up back to Mail Call, I mean, I remember um, you know watching it, like, like you said, and that kind of aspect of it. But, you know, I think it's really interesting to have early army kind of host that show because in terms of army instructors you would think that you know they see a lot of different sides of military life like they're out there on the range they're in the you know the bunks you know they're in that kind of grittiness of everything uh, like preparing um you know these soldiers for what they could encounter 
But I mean, you know, that drill instructor role kind of almost, you know, gets the fire, gets under fire in terms of like political stuff. You know, a lot of times like that's the kind of first look into the military is through drill. Um, And so, you know, he kind of could have had that political experience or that political under fire kind of thing throughout his tenure. So I think it was interesting mm-hmm. to have him in that role to be able to answer those questions. Cause I'm sure he's seen a lot um, and heard a lot throughout his time. Oh, Oh, definitely. And you know, the, I, I look at it in, I look at it as well. Like, you know, so many of these shows that are like that are just kind of historical kind of shows. They're hosted by someone who is a military historian or you know something else something along those lines which i'm not knocking them at all they are very intelligent and they're very knowledgeable but you know when you can have someone who actually knew and lived this sort of thing and you know his military career wasn't it wasn't a lifelong career like a lot of other people he was discharged um uh late i'll have to look that we'll get to that later in the show late 60s early 70s but uh you know he still spent quite a bit of his life in the the military and so he knows this stuff in and out and even if it was mm-hmm. a modern weapon that he wasn't used to he still knows the backstory to it and so i just kind of like that viewpoint rather than a historian who may or may not have ever been in the armed forces you know they're still intelligent but you know there's that just that aspect of you know the authenticity i guess um kind of where i'm going with that uh he he brought that aspect to it and i think you know that that always makes something so much better. No, I, I totally agree. All right, we'll uh, skip along on to his early life. So Ermey was born in Emporia, Kansas on March 24th, back in 1944. Uh, and then he he actually grew up with five brothers on a farm outside of Kansas City, Kansas, which is about uh, three hours away from where I am now, which is kind of neat. I'm not really sure where he is, where he was exactly, but... Kansas City, Kansas is about three hours away. Anyway, in 1958, when Ermey uh, turned 14, he and his family left Kansas and moved to Zilla, Washington. And while he was out there, uh, as a teenager, Ermey often got in trouble with local authorities and was kind of arrested twice for criminal mischief by the age of 17. Um, you know, as he played authority authority figures uh, throughout his adult life, it's kind of interesting to see his combatant side against authority figures uh, while he was younger. Um, and here he is becoming drill sergeants and all that. Yeah, and uh, that's totally been his his legacy. You know, not uh-huh. only was that you know what he turned into, but it's. That's how everyone knows him. He's Arlie Ermey. He's a drill instructor. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's, everyone Period. knows that. Even <laughs> if you are not familiar with his work, you just you know his name and you know who he was. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I wish there were some quotes that we could throw out during this show, but that, that would defeat our PG-13 rating. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and there's some fantastic ones. <laughs> I know, they're, they're hilarious. Uh, <laughs> you know what, don't, don't, don't ever quote Young Nostalgia to go and do this, but if you search Arlie Ermey quotes, we did not tell you to go do that. Or After more his second arrest, Arlie Ermey, you know, like best scene from Full Metal Jacket. Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And and I think a lot of the people who have seen that movie know exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> oh my god! All right, uh, I mean, it's it's great. It's hilarious. After his second arrest, a judge gave him a choice between joining the military or being sent to jail, and Ermey would actually choose the former. He went to the military, and it kind of <laughs> started his 
his long decorated career. Yeah, and you know, going off on that a little bit, kind of a, a side note, you know, it seems like that sort of thing, a judge giving a kid an op- that sort of option, I don't know, maybe I don't hang around with a crowd that I would hear about it too much, I guess, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> but I don't, I feel like that is not a common thing at all anymore. No, I agree. I don't think you're. I, I think yeah, you're I mean, right. you, you hear about it, you, 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 whether it's uh, nonfiction or fiction and books or movies about something, whether it's based on a true story or not. You just hear about that from uh, from uh, from years back, but it's just something that it doesn't really seem to be a thing anymore. Yeah, and I feel like it kind of plays into the whole thing of of how the times are changing and how that military, like just military life or like military families. It's not as prominent in the family culture anymore. I mean, back then, you know, you'd have very close, immediate families somehow connected to the military, and it was kind of, you know, is much more prominent in the in the in the forefront of, you know, people's minds back then. But right now, it's it's not as it's not as prominent. Mm-hmm. And and you, it seems like there used to be more, just overall military families. Uh huh as well i mean where everyone in the family it was almost just expected that you grow up and your career is in the military i'm not saying that that doesn't happen at all which it certainly does but it just seems like that is was more of a norm uh back then in regards to right now oh yeah like you were saying just the prominence in culture um i'm sure i'm sure kind of drove that that change uh so Moving on a little bit into his, uh, not really his later in life, but his military career. Um, his recruit training was at the Marine Corps Recort Depot, San Diego, in San Diego, California. Uh, for his first few years, he served in the aviation support field, um, where he would later become a drill instructor in the India, India Company 3rd Recruit Training Battalion at Marine Corps Recruit Depot San Diego. (laughs) That was just a horrendous mouthful, and I apologize. Uh, Where he was assigned from 1965 to 1967. (laughs) I I don't know what to say. I butchered that pretty bad. No, it's okay. Pretty much that's where he got his start, and he was kind of you know transferred or kind of uh, transitioned into the drill instructor role after serving at the like the aviation support field kind of mm-hmm. i'm guessing in terms of aviation support it was more of like plane maintenance and kind of like the the airway traffic people you know the traffic yeah. mm-hmm. soldiers or whatever so i'm right. guessing that's the kind of thing that he did and then he became a drill drill instructor after that mm-hmm. right and so uh uh, following his drill instructor, uh, his time as a drill instructor in the India Company, uh, Ermey would then serve in the Marine Wing Support Group 17 at Marine Corps Air Station uh, Futemna, Okinawa, Japan. Uh, <laughs> what? There's just, you know, it's just a lot of of military lingo all in one place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, you know some of the stuff it tends without being overly drawn out and that sort of thing it does tend to get a little bit wordy i uh, know no no wonder they have acronyms for everything yeah no kidding oh my goodness Ac- acronyms mess me up 
Okay, so in 1968, he was actually ordered to Vietnam with MWSG-17 and ended up spending 14 months in that country. Uh, and the remainder of his service was on was actually on Okinawa, where he was uh, advanced to Staff Sergeant. Which, uh, if I look back up in the top, he was... A, yes, so his his top rank that he actually uh, made it to when he was in active duty in the military was the staff sergeant. Um, and his actual, it was more, le- it was, it was an honorary um, position that he was given of the actual uh, drill instructor, or excuse me, holy cow. <laughs> Um, gunnery sergeant my goodness um his position of gunnery sergeant was honorary and so it was after the fact i believe it was in uh in 2002 he was given the honorary promotion to gunnery sergeant so at this point in time my goodness at this point in time he was he was a staff sergeant which would be his highest military rank um in 1972 he was medically discharged because of uh, a culmination of several injuries uh, incurred during his service. It was three years later, um, after he was discharged in 1972, that he uh, married his wife, uh, Nyla, in 1975, and they ended up having four children together. Whew, nice. And then, <laughs> after that, it comes up to his honorary uh, gunnery sergeant um, by the General James L. Jones. In, so. On May 17th of 2002. There you go. Um, and that's a, that's a big part of, you know, what he's kind of known as. I mean, obviously everyone knows him as a drill sergeant, but, you know, he's kind of known also as a gunnery sergeant. And, you know, it, not taking anything away from him by any means. Um, you know, I think that's kind of a, a thing that a lot of people don't know is that that was an honorable, uh, it was a an honorary an honorary position yeah. um, of gunnery sergeant. And, you know, it's neither here nor there, I guess, but it's more or less just informa- interesting information. No, yeah. No, I, I agree. It was, it was it was very important in mm-hmm. his military career, for sure. All right. right, moving on to the good stuff. We got his uh, acting career as well as his later uh, life activities. So, Ermi was cast in, like, his first film while he was out uh, attending the University of Man- Manila in the Philippines. He actually was uh, using the benefits from his GI Bill, um, and he was actually studying drama out there. So, in his first film, he played a first air cavalry chopper pilot uh, in, in Apocalypse Now, doubling as a technical advisor Advisor, in... Oh, my gosh. I think you're wearing <laughs> off rubbing off. <laughs> Rubbing off. So Ermi played a first air cavalry chopper pilot in, in Apocalypse Now, doubling as a technical advisor to director Francis Ford Coppola. Um, and, you know, Apocalypse Now kind of gained a large cult following and notoriety just for, you know, the kind of the noir, noirness of it and, the, and almost kind of the raw, the raw film of it in terms of depicting war. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, for the next few years, Ermey actually played a series of minor film roles up until 1987, where Full, Mo- Full Metal Jacket came around, and he was actually cast as drill, instu- drill instructor 
Gunnery Sergeant Hartman um, in Stanley Kubrick's, Kubrick's film Full Metal Jacket. So initially, he actually attended the set acting as like a technical advisor. You know, he wasn't mm-hmm. in any acting role or anything like that. And Kubrick actually changed his mind after Ermey put together kind of an, ex- an instructional tape in which he went on an extended tirade, as you could see in multitude of ways while watching Full Metal Jacket. Um, you know, in terms of like several extras in the films, uh, he just, you know, went off on them in a drill sergeant way. Uh, and right there, Kubrick was like, this is our man. Mm-hmm. And it was my understanding that it was it was pretty much an instructional tape on, like, how a drill sergeant should act. Yeah. And how yeah. he should treat. And he was using extras as uh, props, more or less. Uh-huh. Um, at, well, I guess he, was, he would be using extras as extras. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, guess, I guess I don't really have to clarify that. Um, and... And that's how it was pretty much intended from Ermy's point of view. But I think it's it's kind of cool that you know Kubrick, Kubrick, uh, right off the bat was just like, you know what, you know, no need to mess around with anyone else. <laughs> this is the guy we need. I know, I know. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. And then you know Kubrick is he's very much known for his perfectionism and kind of you know his way like his creative way is the way that it should be done and so it was interesting because when he was working with Ermi he kind of let go of the reins a little bit so seeking authenticity for the film Kubrick actually allowed Ermi to write or edit his own dialogue and kind of improvise while they're on set um, which is like a big rarity for a Kubrick film uh, and then Kubrick actually later indicated that while working with Ermey, um, he was an excellent performer, often needing just two or three takes per scene. Also, very unusual for a Kubrick film because of the need to kind of redo it. If one thing is off, he wants to redo the entire thing to make sure it flows together and make sure it's perfect, you know, in terms of how he wants it delivered. So it was very mm-hmm. rare, but, you know, Ermey kind of had that special, special something in Kubrick's eyes that, uh, you know, didn't really need tweaked at all. Right. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of that comes from, uh, Ermy. He wasn't, it wasn't become because Arlie Ermy was such an exceptional actor, which I'm not saying he's bad at all. Um, but he, for a role like this, he wasn't necessarily doing that much acting, <laughs> you know, yeah, it was just, it was just kind of yelling and, and, uh, yeah, I mean that he was know, just doing face. something that more or less would have come natural in his military service. Yeah, and so you know it it, it makes sense that you know he didn't have to take that many that many takes of of, of a particular film because you know he's not trying to tweak his acting method at all. I mean he's just he's looking for the raw animosity of you know a drill instructor, and Ermy was just. Serving it up. Here you go. <laughs> On a silver platter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so his performance as Gunnery Sergeant Hartman uh, actually you know, won critical raves, and he was nominated for a Golden Globe Award as Best Supporting Actor. I mean, you know, nobody has really ever seen somebody on screen like this before. Like the way he carried himself, the way it was just so natural and authentic was, you know, probably something that just broke a whole bunch of barriers and, and something that it probably took people by surprise, I'm sure. I know when I watched Full Metal Jacket, I was like, holy crap. I feel like I need to sit up straight and, <laughs> you know, tuck my shirt in because I, I, uh, I need to get my crap in a bunch or else I'm going to get yeah. yelled at. 
like, you know, Arlie Ermey's going to be knocking on the door and come in and kick your butt if you're not in line. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> so he actually went on to appear in over 60 films, mostly in military or authoritarian uh, roles that we kind of, you know, discussed earlier. And uh, he was also very well known for his voice acting. Again, um, he starred in the Toy Story series, including The Simpsons, Angry Beavers, Family Guy, SpongeBob, Invader Zim, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. So, you know, things that are very much in your face, authoritarian, you know, kind of roles, they modeled a character after that. Just the way yeah. that they portrayed him was uh, it, hilarious. I any, mean, anytime they ever had a role like that, it was, it was almost like there for quite a while in like the. Uh, um, 90s and early 2000s, it was like, oh, we have some sort of author- authoritarian uh, military police warden kind of role. It's just, boom, uh-huh. are the army. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, not e- it's not even meant to be like a jab or a... St- or a- or you know, like a big joke or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. But but it's just like you can't really think of anybody else to fill such a perfect role. Like I don't think I can think of anyone else in Hollywood that could be able to do what he did. No, no. I mean, and at this point when he was doing a lot of the voice acting, I mean, everyone knew his voice, uh-huh. and so being able to instantly identify who he was would enhance the character tenfold. Yeah. You know, regardless of if you're, you know, I mean, if you're uh, a kid watching watching the show, you might not know Full Metal Jacket or anything like that. But, I mean, as we'll get to here in a minute, uh, he was doing all kinds of advertising campaigns, that sort of thing for a lot of different companies. Yeah. And spokesper- he was a spokesperson for stuff. And so chances are you saw him on TV and you know what that voice is and he was playing that role, obviously. And so it's just adds that much more to a character being able to identify exactly who that was playing the part. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you know, kind of discussed earlier as well. He appeared regularly on his own shows, mail call lock and load, uh, as well as recurring, recurring roles on house, as well as the sitcom scrubs, which is a very popular, um, throughout the 2000s. So our early Ermy actually had a notable advertising career. And this is where I think, you know, even Arlie Ermey had some fun with his talents, where, like, he was a spokesperson yeah. for, you know, Black Book, National Auto Research, uh, Glock Firearms, True Spec Apparel, Tupperware, Victory <laughs> Motorcycles, Hoover, uh, SOG, Speciality Knives, WD-40, <laughs> Young Marines. Um, you know, just, it's uh, it's awesome. Think, and then, oh, now, I think the Tupperware one's kind of funny. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. <laughs> and it just he just takes it over the top and isn't there a new one that's out a coors one where no it... no 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 that wasn't the one the one that i sent you and Kyle yeah is that different <laughs> <laughs> no um that one was i can i don't know the year on that but it was an old commercial that i came across and then uh i'd sent it out to you guys okay it was All the right. one with early ermy and uh, john wayne yes yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that's that was a really good one. I had never seen that before. Um, you know, what better what better people do you have together? You know, <laughs> Arlie Ermey playing a drill sergeant and uh, John Wayne playing the general. Yes, and they're like, uh, "Have you seen my? Where's my six pack or something like that?" Well, yeah, Arlie. Well, he 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 found the the six pack of Coors Light, and he's in front of his men trying to figure out whose beer it was, and the general oh, yeah. walks up and he's. I can't I can't remember exactly what he says, but is the general is John Wayne is general's beer and he's like oh oh uh, uh, 
uh, okay, well, it's still cold. <laughs> and then after that, he's like, uh, well, uh, what'd you do with my pretzels? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Someone find the general's pretzels. Yeah, don't just stand there. Someone find the general's pretzels. <laughs> And they all it's, start scrambling. Oh my gosh, it's oh, perfect. It's a um, must watch. Go to YouTube and find it. Is, it is. It is. It um, is. Oh, oh, here, here it goes. So he actually uh, he appeared on commercials such as um, you know Dick Sporting Goods, Geico, as well as Pistachios Nuts, which I can remember so vividly where he was the therapist, and then oh, he just went off on him, yeah. through through the tissues at him. It's like you cry, baby. <laughs> I remember that now. I totally had forgotten about that. Yeah, um, or was that I Geico? It, it might have been Geico. I can't remember which one, which one of those that it is, but I remember the commercial now. Oh, oh fantastic! So he good, had some of the best commercials. <laughs> I love oh. it. <laughs> okay, well, we have to uh, move on a little bit to an unfortunate portion of the show. Um, <clears throat> Arlie Ermy died at a hospital in Santa Monica, California, um, from complications related to pneumonia. On the morning of April fifteenth, two thousand eighteen, um, he died at the age of seventy-four years old, and he had a full military burial at the Arlington National Cemetery, which is awesome. It just mm-hmm. it just sucks because I mean, you know, the older you get, something like pneumonia can be devastating. Uh, oh yeah, lethal. To yeah, it's it's awful, but. You know he he had a he had a great career. He had many accolades. You know people looked up to him. He was he was very much a figure in pop culture, um, especially when it came to kind of the the military aspect of of film. Um, I think he played a huge role in defining defining that. So yeah, I mean it's just the 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 legacy that he had. I mean, there's still going to be t- so many people who. Um, who remember who he was and what he was known for, um, for, for quite a while longer. I mean, his, he had a pretty long career. Um, and you know, maybe even when his acting slowed down, like we talked about, he still did the voice acting and people still know him as that. And as well as the commercials, which continued for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's still going to be a lot of people that, you know, remember who early Ermy was, um, for quite a bit longer. Yeah, most definitely. All right, so that's a wrap for us here at Young Nostalgia. Thank you again so much for joining us as we continue our journey through retro pop culture. As we continue on this short series, this was episode 36, Sir, Yes, Sir. Next week we'll be talking about Clint Eastwood and following up with John Wayne for this short little uh, Rough Around the Edges miniseries here at Young Nostalgia. As always, if you enjoy the show, leave a kind review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and please, please, please do reach out, and uh, those reviews definitely do help. We've been able to aggregate five reviews on Apple Podcasts, which now shows up um, as a 5.0 for our show, which is awesome, 5.0 out of 5, which is great. I mean, it helps our, us grow, helps us uh, you know, reach out to more listeners to be able to share this experience and, and you know, talk about uh, retro pop culture that they might have lived through or you know, they appreciate as well. So got a future topic or you'd like to be a guest here with Ben and I, give us an email at youngnostalgia2017 at gmail.com. So after this miniseries is up, we're planning on bringing on another guest to Young Nostalgia to talk about his uh, connection to kind of, you know, cover bands of, uh, 
of great rock and roll music back then, including Journey and Fleetwood Mac. And he's a close friend of ours, and we're happy to have him here. It's going to be awesome. So, Ben, anything else, big guy? What are you thinking? Nope. I think we covered it all covered it all for today that was a fun show and it's going to be a lot of fun covering these guys um, i agree early army clint eastwood and the duke uh i mean i i mean i don't know about you but i feel like i can speak for both of us when i say i mean there's a couple of the three of our most favorite you know they're in our top group of favorites definitely oh for sure and it's so awesome especially i can't wait to talk about clint eastwood and and john wayne the duke about their contribution to westerns i mean the spaghetti westerns of clint eastwood that really you know shot him into the limelight uh yeah the man with no name and all that uh, <laughs> i can't wait it's gonna be fun yeah yeah and you know they they both were just known as the tough guys no yeah no they weren't yeah. tough guys they were the tough guys <laughs> they were they they were tough guys <laughs> Uh, get get prepared for some awesome quotes coming your way, including quotes of our uh, episodes where we're planning on pulling in their famous words into our episode titles, as well as you know, kind of we're gonna. <laughs> it'd be funny to do a thing about how many famous quotes of Clint Eastwood and John Wayne can we get done in fifteen seconds. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be pretty good. Or, or how many we can just fit in into like the show into like normal speech like natural conversation <laughs> yeah <laughs> like how many we can possibly fit in <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna try and figure this out but anyway as we always say here on young nostalgia keep the bottles empty and the asteroids full take care everybody <laughs>